The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One man, one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. If you're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. Five games matching ranked opponents as the calendar turns to November on Saturday. And just when you taste that juicy, medium-rare ribeye, you may be the one buying all of a sudden. This is the College Game Day Podcast. For Friday, September 30th, the picks edition, Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Bill Connolly here, and Sarah Abbott, our intrepid producer, who is chagrined and distraught, disconsolate <laughs> over the rousing comeback the three of us made this week in terms of our record. Sarah, uh, could you could you tell the podcasting public? Uh, I don't really care if you tell them Pete and Bill's record, but given that I've been so woeful. I mean, brutal this season. Tell the people how I did last week. You were due, Reese. You were due. I was due. First of all, please note, Reese came on and was like, I did so bad this whole time. (laughs) He's like, I've been doing so bad. He went 10 and one last week and I had to re-listen to the podcast to make sure that that was right. So Reese went 10 and one, Pete went eight and three, Bill went seven and four. I went six and five and Taylor went three and eight. So, but he's in Italy. Taylor's been gallivanting around Europe. Clearly the canals (laughs) of Venice don't have the answers. Pete SP plus is still beating up on, on poor old USC to Bill. Bill, how's SP Plus faring? Well, where is where is SC? They're still like in the twenties and SP Plus. Uh, right yeah, I think so. The problem, or their biggest problem right now, is that they actually lived up exactly to projections last week, or actually slightly mm-hmm. worse, I think, in the way they beat Oregon State. So any chance they had, you know, basically it's just this big sliding scale of preseason projections go out and and in season numbers go in. Uh, but now they haven't quite overachieved as much as they had. So they're still, I think, 25th um, in the numbers. And, and I mean, I'll tell you right now, that's wrong. I've been saying it all year. They're they're only 19th in offense. Mm-hmm. And again, their offense didn't look great last week, but they've still proved more than that. It's it's the defense where I have all the questions. And they're 35th in defense, 110th in special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's dragging them down a little bit, even if, they're de- if their offense is a little artificially low. I, I would you say. know, it's, it's a funny thing, and we're going to get to picks quickly. Um, Pete and I sometimes talk about how I vote in the AP poll and going into the season, I was one of the biggest SC skeptics. I continually use the metaphor. I know yep. Lincoln Riley can drive a Lamborghini when it's handed to him. Let me see if he can build one. And I remain, I remain a skeptic. I was very impressed with the win Saturday night because that was real adversity. And they yeah. had a lot of chances to lose the games and they made winning plays when they absolutely had to make winning plays had no other choice, but I still remain skeptical. I still have them ranked fourth because I think what they've done (laughs) up to this point is better than the other candidates Uh, closely with Michigan. You know, reasonable minds could differ on that. I still am skeptical about them, but I still think they've they've done very well. And the team that I've, I've ranked ninth that I really am high on and the efficiency numbers like them, love them is Minnesota. Minnesota ranks with Alabama and Georgia. Minnesota ranks between Alabama and Georgia. 
in, yep. in efficiency and they're playing the defense at that level and their offense has been terrific. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I have to say is that I, I just out of pure curiosity, I, I zeroed out the preseason numbers just to see what would happen. There's a reason you don't do that. Cause like James Madison was ninth and I love James Madison, but they're not the ninth. Best they're not ninth. The Correct. Yeah. But it wasn't USC. That's like suddenly number one. If you take out all those numbers, uh, first of all, Washington benefits from it more than USC mm -hmm. does because Washington was every bit as bad as USC last year. Yeah. Number one team was Minnesota. They have, they played one team that's better than like 117th or whatever in SP plus, uh, and it's Michigan state who's now gotten blown out twice. So we don't really know how good they are, but they have just, they have erased any possibility of any loss so far this season. And now we can't even say Georgia can say that. So mm -hmm. yeah, it, they've been absurdly impressive so far. Go back to SC. I'm on, I'm in on Minnesota too. I think we've all yeah. Reese and I have both been pretty, pretty mm -hmm. bullish on them. I've appreciated Reese ranking them where they have. I'm excited to see, what they do against Purdue. I believe Minnesota has the second best defense and scoring defense in the country. Now, obviously, considering the ragtag offenses they played, that doesn't say much. Now you're going to play Purdue. There's obviously some, uh, you know, some health questions around Aiden O'Connell still and whether or not he'll play on Saturday. So they may, they may catch a break. Um, I think that's a noon ESPN two game on Saturday. They may catch a break and get maybe a watered down version of, uh, of the Boilermakers. But I do think, Purdue is a test. Jeff Brown yeah. plays as a test. Like, you mm -hmm. know, if if I went and played quarterback, Jeff Brown would throw it 52 times against Minnesota on Saturday. So it is, uh, and they have some tailback health issues too. Any potential investors should be paying careful attention before <laughs> they, uh, before they, before they uh, put their hard-earned money on, uh, on any team in, in that game. But I, I'm excited to see that, but I do want to give credit to my favorite play of the weekend which I was actually in attendance at the Bush Push. Were you there, Reese? I was not at the Bush Push game. I was, I was, at, I was uh, manning the studio that day, was, but it was the same. Yeah, yeah, I was at the Bush Push game, and it was the, the LA Times calls it the Nealon nudge um, <laughs> for that play. You, uh, Brett Nealon, the, the veteran USC center, came along and gave Caleb, a little, uh, gave Caleb a little boost, just like Caleb last year ripped the ball from his own guy to get the first down to, to save a game. Right. So, um I think if that play had happened in a 3.30 primetime game on a channel that didn't require a stolen password, we might be hearing a little bit more about the Neil and Nudge this week because that is a play that changes the trajectory of the Pac-12 race. You could potentially argue the CFP race. It, you know, USC loses then, and it's just it's a whole different ballgame. So credit the uh, big old offensive lineman for, for, for running down and give him a little scooch. And for for people who didn't see the game, and yeah. Pete, you and I were texting back and forth about it. We were we were watching it. It's a fourth down on the game winning drive. What turned out to be the game winning drive for USC and Oregon State hasn't stopped. They've stopped Caleb Williams on the run. They've stopped him a good yard and a half, maybe two yards short. Now momentum hadn't stopped, so I'm not calling into question the call. But then the push, the nudge that you reference, and it shoved him across the line to gain drive stayed alive, and they ended up. They ended up scoring, and they also continued with the miraculous uh, good fortune and turnovers. They got four more, <laughs> four more, and didn't give up any. They're fourteen zero in turnovers right now. Yep. That will change at some point this year. But there's also a school of thought, and I subscribe to it that even if you don't play your best and you win, or if you keep getting turnovers and not giving them up. Sometimes it builds on itself and it becomes something you believe in and expect. And it gives you a level of confidence and comfort that elevates your elevates your play.
you know, I've talked about this before that typically the kind of the, the ratio of interceptions to pass breakups is like one to four and it's like 11 to 13 for USC <laughs> on the, for their defense, it was four to three the other night. And when, for the other team, it's like zero to 12 or something to that effect. And they've recovered, recovered every fumble. It's crazy. And it's not going to last in that regard, but you're right. I mean, if you have this extra little boost of confidence, you know, if nothing else, maybe you're pursuing the ball a little more than you are pursuing the play a little more than you otherwise would have. And little things like that can add up. This isn't going to continue, though. We'll see. Uh, we'll see which right. game the regression to the mean happens in. Well, I don't know if it'll be this one because they play Arizona State this week <laughs> and the Sun Devils have not only have they had all kinds of issues, coaching change. They are also among the worst teams in the country and fumbles lost. So it may not be interceptions this week, but fumbles have, have been an issue there. And to your point, Bill, uh, just some uh, misfortune for Oregon State yep. in that game. They they had some opportunities at getting some turnovers and and didn't work out for them. Are you guys, you guys feeling good now? Everybody coming off a good winning week. Now, don't let's not overthink this. Let's just make some picks. As what Pete accused I, me last week of saying I wasn't going to overthink and then talking myself out of several picks, and he, he wasn't wrong. I will absolutely do whatever you overthink. did last week, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> if I could remember what I did, yeah. I mean, Sarah's right. I came on, I didn't, I, you know, I think these out when I make the picks, but I'm not writing down and keeping up with them. The only thing I keep up with, uh, doggedly is my super dog every week. I, I watch that like I'm watching the Super Bowl or the college football playoff national championship game, which is always far more important to me than the Super Bowl anyway. So I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching two weeks ago, Western Kentucky botched the game against Indiana. I may never forgive them, even though I got the, got the cover and my love for James Madison will probably never die after rallying from 28, three. And when they got it to, when they got it to 28, 17, I said, yeah, you know, maybe Todd Centeno and my buddy Tino Sinceri there, who's the passing game coordinator, maybe they'll get one and get in the back door and I'll get a couple. Right. They won the thing outright. So they scored. We they they were inching back and then suddenly they were ahead. Yeah. It, it happened really quickly. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I really, I, I'm like, I care about this too, because I want you guys to buy me a steak. But <laughs> I, I forget, I forget who I picked. So maybe. I don't know. Maybe we need a group text so that we know who to root for and who to root against. <laughs> not in terms of the teams, because I want I want to be clear. We're not rooting for or against the teams. Bill is just rooting for me to fail. Pete right. is just rooting for me to be wrong. It has nothing to do with your team or whatever. They just that's just what they want because that's the kind of guys they are. And I'm going to assume, by the way, that Desmond learned his lesson trying to pick Missouri as a super dog after uh, everything oh. that happened last weekend. That was like Western oh. Kentucky, Indiana times twelve. Well, I made it, uh, you know, I, you know, this is actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Bill. This is a good opportunity. Uh, that was my earlier this week on the podcast was the dumb loses more than smart wins moment of the week. And, um, you know, I, I had great sport with the fact that uh, highly intelligent, uh, academically decorated guy from Stanford was the one who, who reached the ball and, you know, and fumbled the ball there. But it's the play, not the player. Uh, he's had a great year, yep. and even a, even an intelligent, good player like Nathaniel Pete can't overcome the voodoo at Jordan Hare sometimes. And it just you know it just it was, things happen. There was a lot of voodoo there last time. Uh, how yeah, full sixty. How, how did you handle that? Or Harrison Mevis, like yeah. that, like forget yeah. Nathaniel Pete. That 
That's just like that guy's automatic. No, he, like, he wasn't even warming up. In the like, it's just, you know, you're just laughing. He's not even warming up on the sideline. He's like, yeah, I got this. I'm going to nail this kick. And it just kind of wafts over and, and 38 other stupid ha- things happen afterward. What, um, yeah. what, how, how do you react from that? Because, you know, there are some in our family of college football fans who say, you don't want to be around me when I'm watching you know, my alma mater, my team play. Are you that way? How were you I, Saturday? I was probably, I was like that for a while, but I've been doing the the full national thing long enough now. Like I, I'm yeah. pretty immune. Like I still follow the, the games and everything, but as soon as it's over, I move on. That, that one actually kind of, that one left me kind of sick to my stomach for a little bit. That's first. I got, I have a friend who's kind of the same way. He just goes to, he has big tailgates and that's really his focus. He doesn't always go into the games or whatever. I haven't gotten a cranky uh, text from him after a loss in a while. I got a very cranky text from him after <laughs> the loss. So this one was different. This one was impressive. Before we make picks, Pete, I want to know that about you. How, how are you? Like, with your alma mater watching oh games. i have like no pulse for them <laughs> um, I, I hate to say it that way but i so when i was in school i covered the team the whole time yeah. and so you you sort of it quickly squeezes the i'm pretty i'm pretty cynical as you guys probably have realized anyway so um it is uh that is that has squeezed it uh squeeze it out of me some um but no like i don't uh like i did listen to that purdue game on the radio which was a mm-hmm. blast to listen to um just cuz that was a wild ending and it was just with the kickoffs at the different yard lines and stuff that that was fun but no i don't i don't have any uh i don't have any heartbeat i'm occasionally accused by syracuse fans on twitter of like hating you know the, the of, school i went to of but course. I, you know baber's yeah. a great guy i like them you know i like them just fine i'm i am generally happy to see them winning you know what i mean just like i'm happy to see yeah. kansas winning and you know but like those those fans have seen some bad ball there the past few years, <laughs> yeah. so it's nice to see Sean Tucker, Garrett Schrader, and uh, yeah, they've they've been they've been enjoyable to watch. Yeah. I, I will say when it got bad under Greg Robinson, it got really bad. I was sort of like I was probably more just because everyone would be like, "Well, what's wrong with them? What's going to happen?" So I'm just happy they're playing nice ball. They'll get five this week, and then uh, yeah, they, they, you know they'll go back bowling and give Dino Babers credit for recalibrating his staff and completely changing his yeah. style to figure out a way to win. You don't see a lot of coaches do that midstream. And he, uh, he did that, brought in some really good assistance, went to the three, three, five on defense. So, but no, I'm uh, yeah, I, I, I fit the, uh, the jaded profile when it, uh, (laughs) when it, when it comes to that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you think, Sarah? Let's make some picks. It is good. All 
All right. So just a reminder, this is the race for the ribeye. So the winner at the end gets a steak. So the first game is NC State at Clemson and Clemson is a six and a half point favorite. Let's do Pete Reese Bill. As this game projects to be a slog in the weather, I think if it was dry, it might have been a bit of a slog too. Um, and I think whatever the over under is in this game, especially if the weather will probably down a little bit. It could be could be pretty attractive. I think these are two great front sevens, and that's really the key and the heart of this matchup. And when you look at NC State's defensive numbers, I've been a little bit disappointed in NC State's offense this year. I thought they'd be able to get a little more together. Their goal line gaffes against ECU were probably seared in my mind a little bit. But I think this game is low scoring. I think NC State has the better quarterback. I think and. and I love DJ Uyunglele. I got to know him in in, in high school. Uh, he's he's one of the great kids uh, I've, I've been around. I've been really happy to see him get up off the mat and have a good season this year. If he does it this week, I'll really believe. Now, I believe he, he was great against Wake Forest. Now, that was with three, essentially three starting corners out um, against a defense that doesn't have the, the heft and the might up front. So I, I think NC State will at the very least keep, keep this to a field goal, but I think there's a very good chance they, they win this game. In, and what is it, a 34-game win streak, Reese? Yeah, at home. I don't it have the number right in front of me. Yeah. But it's mid-30s. It's a long one. It's one of the longer ones of the generation. So I am uh, I am going to stay bullish on the pack because of their uh, because of their front seven. And they also have Clemson. I mean, people forget this, that they have the nation's longest winning streak right now, dating to last yeah. year, because even the national champion, typically that you know belongs to a national champion, but Georgia lost in the SEC championship game. So Clemson is, uh, you know, is the team that has the nation's longest winning streak. I, I tend to think the same way you do. I NC State's defense has played at an elite level uh, in terms of defensive efficiency, and the offense has been almost as, as I don't want to say bad, but inconsistent. Their numbers across the board, their traditional stats are sort of middling, and the efficiency is very low. Because of the weather, because of the good defenses, I do think Clemson will win the game, but I'm taking North Carolina State in the points because with the weather, tight game, two good teams – uh, I'll I'll take the Wolfpack in the points. Wouldn't be stunned if they won. I favor Clemson to win the game, but I'm not prepared in that type of weather and with the uh, fits and starts occasionally we've seen from the Clemson offense so far. I'm not prepared to lay a touchdown in those types of conditions, but it is probably worth noting, though a lot of them I think came Saturday, that I think DJ Uyangalele now leads the nation in completions in which the passes have traveled at least 20 yards in the air. So big play, watch out for big plays, but might be negated somewhat by the weather. I'll take the Wolfpack in the points. Yeah, I'm going to take NC State too. I, um, I, I'm not sure that I agree that Leary's the better quarterback, though, at least not this year, especially. Um, he's in the 80s in total QBR. He was only like 30th last year, kind of more Desmond Ritter good than you know Bryce Young good or anything like that. And he got a lot of uh, hype in the offseason that I was starting to get a little confused by just because there are a lot of really good quarterbacks in the AACC. Um, but really, really made some uh, some some mistakes against East Carolina that he was lucky weren't punished more. Obviously, you know, did just enough against Texas Tech and then, you know, two cupcakes as well. But yeah, I, I, I don't, 
this is the game where whatever hype he had in the offseason, this is the one where he has to live up to. The weather seems kind of sketchy. Like it might be bad, but it also might just be kind of on and off rain. Um, And that's going to make a huge difference because Clemson, you got to throw on Clemson to succeed, I think. And that's what NC State opponents try to do uh, is because you can't run on either one of these defenses. So if it's a run game versus run game thing, I think that dramatically favors Clemson. But now is the chance for Leary to kind of live up to the hype and, and have a big game. I guess I am going to do the same kind of hedge here and basically say Clemson wins, but by less than the uh, less than the line. But I'm, I'm really curious about how the weather impacts this. So we'd like to congratulate Clemson on not only covering, but extending That's the right. nation's longest winning streak to 11. So there you go. So, That's Sarah, right. what's next? All right. The next game is Oklahoma State at Baylor and Baylor is the two and a half point favorite. So this one, let's do Reese, Bill, Pete. One of these teams has been tested by its competition. The other has not. Uh, Baylor has a heartbreaking loss on the road and a really good win last week. Oklahoma State um, hasn't been tested, but with this program, with this quarterback, with Gundy, for whatever reason, that really doesn't bother me that much. I think Oklahoma State will play well. But it's only a field goal, and I know that there will be a lot of motivation on the Pokes side after what happened in the Big 12 championship game last year and coming up about three millimeters short of winning the conference title, and Baylor went on to win it. But with it only being a field goal, if I think Baylor is going to win, it almost stands to reason that they're going to win by three, (laughs) one would think. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and lay the two and a half and go with the homestanding bears. Uh, we're not going to be unanimous on this one. Then I was. It sounded like we were. Uh, I was about to say exactly the same thing. Um, I do think you know Baylor's probably slightly better overall, at least at home. Um, it's kind of like a ceiling versus floor thing, right? We've seen from Oklahoma State their ceiling offensively is back to where it was a few years ago. The receiving core is healthy and experienced, and Braden Johnson is putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, and I, you know, the the defense and the kind of the all or nothing tendencies that I assume we're going to keep seeing this year probably gives them a lower floor as well. And Baylor's right in the middle of both. Um, it is a really interesting matchup just in terms of physicality and explosiveness and who makes the plays and who allows them and all that. I'm going to go with, I'm going to take the points. I'm going to say Oklahoma State, but I, you know, if, if it's a one or two point win, then I think it's still Baylor. It's really, really close. I, I'm going to agree with Reese's logic, which is always scary until last week. Um, <laughs> and just basically say there's there's a good amount of empirical evidence of Baylor getting punched in the mouth, Baylor in tight games, Baylor in kind of a meat grinder. And I don't think this game is going to be in the teens a lot more likely than it's going to be in the 30s. Right. So I, I think I think Baylor kind of slugs around and, and, and figures it out and uh I don't think they blow out Oklahoma State by any means, but at least like I feel good going into this game, knowing that Baylor is an improved team, tested team, shaped by a little adversity, and uh, started to show some metal. I don't think we've seen any metal from Mr. Gundy's pokes. It's a football Friday, and if you're searching for more football content to get you primed for the weekend, look no further. ESPN Podcasts and Omaha Productions have been hard at work on a ton of NFL content. Your options for listening include The Dominique Foxworth Show, The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, Kyle Brandt's Basement, Fantasy-Focused Football, The Adam Schefter Podcast, and The Bill Barnwell Show. I know, that's a lot, but there's nothing wrong with having options. 
You can follow all of those shows wherever you're listening to this podcast. Okay, the next game is number 18, Oklahoma, a six and a half point favorite at TCU. And this time, let's go Bill Pete Reese. I hate the six and a half point line so much. And and over time, it doesn't matter. Like uh, over 40 year span, the six and a half point favorite, we always talk about that extra half point. It's it, it, they win, it covers like 51% of the time. It's not a big deal, but I just hate it because it, you, it inevitably becomes part of your logic. I love what we've seen from TCU so far at times. I was talking about upside with, with Oklahoma State. We've seen a ton of upside, uh, especially last week. You know, First two quarters or so, two and a half, they look like a top 10 team against SMU. And then they completely fell asleep and talk, thought about losing the game entirely. And um, I, I guess that means I will go with Oklahoma, especially since, you know, we kind of talked about this last week, Oklahoma, Kansas state is just kind of a, its own beast and weird things happen in this rivalry. And if we just ignore it entirely, Oh, you still been a really good team. And I figure they will be again. That's my entire logic right there. <laughs> uh, my logic is style in going with Oklahoma. I really wanted to take TCU, but I just think like Oklahoma is a souped up version of what's, Sonny Dykes is going to have TCU doing. And I feel like with better players and some better skill, although TCU skill is, is, is pretty good that the, the Sooners will go down there at Kansas state stylistically just pounded the Sooners in the, in the trenches. Yeah. And I, I feel like this is the first real adversity on the field that Brent Venables has seen. He's seen some off the field, obviously, but on the field, I, I think he will have them hardwired to respond in Fort Worth this weekend, and they'll they'll come out of there with a uh, with with a ten point win. Historically, if a team loses a game the way Oklahoma has, the natural instinct is to say, "Boy, they're going to be mad. They're going to come out firing." Well, the last two times that Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, one time they lost. And the other time they fell behind, I think, by three touchdowns, at least two <laughs> touchdowns, and had to rally to beat Iowa State at home uh, by a single point. But it's a different regime. Uh, so you have to put some of that to the side. I think one of the more uh, one of the more alarming things for the Sooners, even though the stylistic differences certainly played into that, is that the expected points per play, which Bill and and smart people like him love. The worst by a Brent Venables coach defense in a regular season game since 2018 against Kansas State. I would feel differently about this game if they were still running uh, the old school, maybe not the last couple of years, but the old school Gary Patterson, uh, tough, hard-nosed type of offense instead of spreading it out and throwing it around. I, I'm going to take Oklahoma and lay the points and because Dylan Gabriel has been – Highly effective. I don't see TCU slowing him down, and so I'll take uh, I'll take the Sooners to respond. Not so much, but because they lost, but because this probably fits their game a little bit better. So I think they'll win by win by seven. Okay, the next game I have for you is Wake Forest at Florida State, and Florida State is a seven point favorite. And I forgot order. the order again, so we're gonna <laughs> go Reese, Pete, Bill. I doubted Wake Forest 
last week because it was a it was a tough matchup for them i thought and i was mostly wrong if not completely wrong about that and they only got to sam hartman i think three times um florida state has pulled a couple of games out of the fire they're ranked for the first time in four years and there is some there is some confidence that is built by winning close games florida state's pulled two out of the fire there can be a strength in that we assume Travis is still good, but you know what? Wake almost got Clemson. I think that their culture allows them to handle a disappointment like that. And Wake Forest has been pretty good. Uh, a lot of people have been good against Florida State uh, recently, but I, I, I think I'm going to take Wake Forest. Um, I think Wake will will go in there and and win the game. I'm taking Wake in the touchdown for sure. I think they're going to win the game outright. The last. Four years of Florida State have sort of blended in our mind what we think Florida State is and should be, right? So they're starting to recalibrate our expectations. They're starting to look at some of the skill positions like Florida State again. And if they are the Florida State of prime Jimbo Fisher, prime Bobby Bowden, it's a distinct athletic matchup for problem for Wake Forest, right? Now, Wake Forest won this game last year, obviously, in Winston-Salem. They've had some success recently. And so, like the the existential question in my mind here is, you know, I have I have Wake Forest in my mind still struggling against Liberty, and then I have them like playing, uh, you know, one of the great shootouts of the season a, a, against Clemson. And I really feel like, you know, the health of Jared Verse, who came back against Boston College, the the DN from Albany, who's really, you know, emerges one of the better rush prospects in the country, will be very interesting here because that type of pressure off the edge can really mess with Wake's slow mesh. So that's my keep an eye on, uh, you know, for the investors pointer. But I am going to go with Reese again, which is scary because I've been aligning with him a lot here. But I'm going to I'm going to go with Wake Forest in the points. I will think that they can. I don't know if they're going to win outright, but I think they've earned enough respect, especially with the way they survived two weeks ago and played last week, where I think this could be a really fun shootout. You could see two of the quarterbacks playing as well now because Hartman was obviously aces against uh, – Clemson is anybody in college football. And Jordan Travis has been fantastic. I mean, talk about a testimony to improvement and development. He's clearly been that at uh, at Florida State. Yeah, this is getting boring. I'm I'm making another ah. unanimous error. I, I do think like it's there, you know, especially after what we saw last week, Boston College is is in terrible shape, very banged up. And so the fact that Florida State won wasn't surprising. The fact that they came out and, and really kind of laid the hammer down, um, I, I think is what I was most impressed with. I do think. Seven points is a lot, basically. I think, you know, you can certainly talk yourself into Florida State being the better team at this point, especially just the offense is so well-rounded and they'll be able to take advantage of really, you know, there, there are a few different weaknesses for Wake Forest that you can take advantage of and they're kind of built to take it to, to do it all. And so I really like what they have to offer in that regard. But yeah, like even if you think they're better, I don't think they've earned being seven points better yet. So um we're gonna what is this like three unanimous picks already so far i'm going i'm going awake oh no another <laughs> group think week so the next one is number two alabama the 17 and a half point favorite at arkansas and let's go bill p reese i kind of expect all, all season um my SP plus rankings have been overestimating Bama, strangely enough, um, or at least, you know, picking them to cover, we'll say. Um, they're kind of reliable in that regard. You put out a really obnoxious spread and 
you know, if it requires their backups to score late, like it did against Vanderbilt, they're going to do it and they're going to cover those big spreads. Uh, it actually has uh, Alabama projected to only win by 15 this week. Um, so that kind of catches my attention that, that I, I think Arkansas isn't going to be able to do the Texas blueprint um, where they really, really stretched Alabama's defense early on. And um, you know, they were able to find just enough passing advantages there. Alabama's a, or excuse me, Arkansas is a team that um, they throw really well as long as they don't have to throw. If they're behind schedule, doesn't always go all that well. Certainly didn't go all that well last week against Texas A&M. That's obviously going to be an issue with Alabama's pass rush, but I do feel like they can run the ball well enough and and potentially force Alabama to the air enough to at least cover and 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 lose by 14, 15 points or something to that effect. I do feel like there's not a huge disagreement there, but I do feel like it's noteworthy that my numbers are actually not picking Bama to cover for once. I wouldn't have been surprised. I was surprised that uh you know that 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 this number is 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 as big as it is with with Alabama on the road favored by 17 and a half in a game that I can could see them losing. And I, you know, again, we're, we're biased by what we've witnessed, right? I sat there in Austin and watched them uh, dance with the devil for uh, 59 minutes. I was in Auburn in the press box and watched them dance with the devil for 59 and a half minutes. Um, and you look at some of the other road games that, that they've played in recent years, the loss to Texas A&M, um, the, the narrowest from Florida. It's just hard for me to think of Alabama right now as it's constructed with a mediocre offensive line, pedestrian corners, pedestrian receivers going in and, and winning by three touchdowns. So um, I am not going to predict, I'm not going to call the hogs and roll in on my <laughs> Harley and predict a victory, but I do think it will be a close game and it will be an easy cover for uh, Arkansas. It was the first thing I said in our college game day meeting on Monday. Alabama on the road struggling is officially a thing. And one of these days, they're going to come out and drop the hammer like the old <laughs> days, probably. I, but I don't, you know, until I see it, I'm not laying that many points against a really good team on the road in what is going to be a frenzied and somewhat desperate atmosphere um, against an aggravated team. Now, the one, the, the greatest thing that happened to Arkansas this week is that they're playing Alabama. Usually you don't say that. I don't know that I've ever seen a coach more distraught and disconsolate after an early season game and sort of a feeling of how did we lose to those guys than Sam Pittman after the Texas A&M game. He was, you could tell he was just flabbergasted that they had lost that game. Playing Alabama helps you respond. Alabama's had the, had the issues on the road. Um, I'll take the points, but lest you ever forget one thing, Alabama has Bryce Young and you don't. So then they'll they'll win the game, I think. But uh, but Arkansas will cover and they'll be to use Peach phrase. They'll be dancing with the devil until deep in the fourth quarter, I'm sure. Okay, our next game is Stanford at Oregon. Oregon is a 17 point favorite. The wise guy in me wants to take Stanford. Um in part because they've been generally successful against the ducks and in part, cause it's just like a, it's there. It's like due for like a weird, a weird result here, but the pure logic part of me knows Reese is going to say it's been a calendar year since Stanford won an FBS game. Cause that's been his favorite stat. 
And I, if I pick Stanford, I would just be mad at myself all day. So I will just take the, I would just take the the obviousness of Oregon superiority right now, and hope Bo Nix doesn't do a dun 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 dun. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a big number, but I just I Stanford has not earned our faith in recent. It's, it's an amazing stat when you consider the level of success that Stanford has had under David Shaw. That it's been a year. But it was Oregon. Their last win was oh, yeah. against was Oregon when the, the Ducks so low. Yeah. when the Ducks were ranked number three, too, by the way. And but with EJ Smith out, Oregon maybe feeling itself a little bit. They probably should have. I don't know what the win expectancy said, Bill, but just watching the game, it felt like Oregon should have or could have lost. Um, but even so, uh, it is a big number. And I'm going to lay it. I'll take the Ducks. Unanimous. Um, yeah, so the, last week, the number was for the postgame win expectancy was 96% for Oregon. 15.1 was the kind of expected scoring margin. Wow. Uh, and the major reason for that is first drive of the game, field goal. Second drive of the game, field goal. Third drive of the game, pick six. Fourth drive of the game, field goal. Uh, they just were constantly carving up Washington's defense and then shooting themselves in the foot. They stopped doing that, and they stormed back, won the game. They were up double digits until that last play. They ended up outgaining Washington State by like 200 yards. It was really just the self-inflicted things that kept that game close. And uh, I, I don't, I, we have definitely not seen nearly enough from Stanford. Um, I think, that, let's see, they're still 80th in SP plus um, Oregon's around 20th. I think they're just, they haven't proven enough. And, and so my numbers say more like Oregon by 19. That's a, that's all I need to hear. I, I think they're, uh, the most likely result here is a solid three touchdown win by the Ducks. This one, um, let's do pretty quick. Cause I don't think there's much to say records at Ohio state. Ohio State is a 40 and a half point favorite. And let's it's a do... bargain. It's a bargain. I would lay 50 uh, on that game. It's easy. Lay it. Go. The only I'm gonna be counter here. Up. I'm gonna take Rutgers. I'm gonna okay. take Rutgers. I I did again. I know Ryan Day does tend to pr- push the metal down a little bit going forward, but I do think Rutgers's defense is actually like a real college football defense. Yeah. And if you uh, and they statistically they've been great. If they didn't have a couple self inflicted wounds, that Iowa game should have been the slog it was projected to be. So um, I don't think Rutgers is going to be able to score um, in this game because they've got injury issues at quarterback and their offensive line is uh, pretty brutal. But I think that that Rutgers will just slog it up enough and play keep away enough to uh, to keep this thing more respectable than they have in this series. My counter is that Wisconsin also has a really good defense. Toledo actually might have a pretty good defense. Um, and really, like my numbers are trying to convince me to go with Rutgers. It's a um, 41 points, no, excuse me, a 31.7 projected scoring margin, which is crazy. The only way the, the Rutgers keeps this within 30 or 40, I think, is if they score 21. And I don't see how they score 21. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Ohio State. Like, it's just until they score under 50 here, uh, I'm going to assume they keep doing it. Okay, our next one is number seven, Kentucky at number 14, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a six and a half point favorite. This game is maybe the most confusing of the week to me uh, in terms of just what I, I cannot. 
Um, they they move the ball. They score points pretty well. They defend mostly pretty well. They're basically strong everywhere except for Ole Miss's run defense and Kentucky's run offense. And so I don't know what that means. I have absolutely no idea what that means as far as the result goes. I think um, Kentucky catches up to the chains after that. After they're you know they get two yards on on first down, uh, they end up storming back and getting the first down anyway because they've got a lot of weapons. They've got Will Levis and and it's working really well. Um, I really really like Ole Miss from the perspective of they can mess around and make a bunch of mistakes and then just go on like a perfect six minute span and score three touchdowns. Uh, so that I don't, the the lines what six and a half is that what we said? Um, yeah, I I struggle with this one a lot, and I, I guess I'm just gonna go the home team and and say that Ole Miss pulls it off. But there's absolutely nothing here that's gonna surprise me. I, I really like both of these teams. Chris Rodriguez makes his season debut for Kentucky. He breaks tackles, and Kentucky hasn't been able to run the ball at all. I mean, they're under two and a half yards per rush. Uh, Bill mentioned the issues with the Ole Miss defense. Both these teams have really good running backs. Zach Evans had to leave the Tulsa game, had some type of medical issue, but their freshman, uh, Quinchon Judkins, is second in the country in broken tackles. Now, I think you're going to see a tough, hard-nosed game that will play right into Kentucky's wheelhouse. Um, So I'm going to – I think Herb Street's made a believer out of me on Kentucky. Um, Kentucky's got the quarterback edge. They've got they're getting points. I'll take Kentucky and the and the six and a half on the road against the Rebels at noon, immediately following college game day. <laughs> uh, when you uh, there's just an aura of mystery still hanging over both both of these teams for me. So I, I'm with uh, I'm with you guys at not having a a ton of conviction. And what you have to determine is whether Rodriguez coming back unlocks the rest of that Kentucky offense. And uh and, and whether or not Ole Miss's defense, which has been historically porous uh, and, quite frankly, put in compromising positions by uh, by Lane's offense, um, you know, can offer can offer resistance to Rodriguez. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to take Ole Miss, but I would just this is a game I would just sit back and enjoy enjoy the Grove because I, I don't have any conviction here. I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm, like I, I probably screwed up. The only two times they played in the last decade was. Crazy 42-41 game in 2020 and a crazy 37-34 game in 2017. So it's going down to the wire either way. I guess now I have to hope that Ole Miss scores a touchdown and wins by seven on the last play or something. That's six Uh-oh. and a half you love, Bill. I know it. Okay. Our next game is West Virginia at Texas, and Texas is the 10-point favorite. And let's do Reese Pete Bill. This is a really tricky game for the trajectory of Texas season. Blew another double-digit lead against Texas Tech. That was what got them last year, not being able to put away games. Obviously, they're waiting to return at some point of Quinn Ewers, which they hope will really help their offense. You know, someone said the other day that West Virginia might be the worst team in the Big 12, but that shows how good the league is because they're not bad. But uh, I, I will. This will be one of those that on Saturday I'll go seriously. I, I really trusted <laughs> Texas to hang on to that to that kind of lead. But I'm going to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that the Horns respond better than they did a year ago uh, after squandering some games, and I'll take Texas. I'll gladly disagree, and I don't know what my order is here. If I jump to you, Bill, but I will. I, I will say that Texas has lost eight of twelve. 
And to all of a sudden think a program that has lost eight of 12 is going to win by, uh, you know, by 11. To me, I just think that's a, that's a leap of, that's a leap of logic. I don't need one of Bill's formulas to, uh, to, to add those numbers up for me. So, you know, we reported when Quinn Ewers got hurt, it was four to six weeks and that his target would be uh, Oklahoma on, on return, which is obviously not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. Nothing I've been told this week has led me to believe that timeline's any different. So you're going to have Hudson Card, you're going to have a little Wildcat uh, for everybody who watched the, the the Texas Tech game, and maybe that's a, a effective enough. But I, I think this game's going to be wacky, and I think West Virginia um, certainly has enough with with JT Daniels to, uh, to to hang in. And and look, if you're Neil Brown, West Virginia, this is a pretty big game. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. it just is. Has <laughs> Texas is one of the more winnable games in the Big Twelve if you're if you're the Mountaineers. So. I do think that they have a they have a they have a rest. Obviously, they played the previous Thursday. They'll be uh, they'll be up and at him for this one. I a week ago, I would have been really confident saying Texas by fourteen to seventeen here. Um, and then yeah, Texas, I, I'm kind of overlooking the Texas Tech loss a little bit just because it took six for eight on fourth downs for Tech to pull that out. It was kind of an unlikely situation. Granted, it was just as unlikely as their win against Houston like two weeks earlier, and they did that too. But I do think um, I, I saw a lot to like about Texas. The problem for me is that I saw a lot to like about West Virginia. That was the best performance I've seen from them in a long time. I don't think anybody at Virginia Tech expected West Virginia to dominate them on both on both lines and and control the ball the way they did. So that was kind of that, that was. I'm, I, I guess I'm going to go with Texas. I'm going to you know the the three impressions versus the one impression. I'm going to go with what I had before. But man, like West Virginia looked really really solid last week, and and that gives me pause. I'm going to fire my musket in the air on Saturday, and uh, that's right. Text to you <laughs> this, guys. Is, this is the part. This is where the musket emojis. <laughs> okay, and then our next game is Iowa State, a three point no, favorite I, at Kansas. Oh, so. I, I, this is another game. Every every game in the Big Twelve conflicts me because there's really nothing that separates any of the ten teams at this point. Um, <laughs> I I have, and this is exactly what I hoped for. By the way, I was making the jokes all off season. When OU and Texas leave, every game is going to be decided by three points. But they don't even have to leave for that to be true. Um, it, this really is a, a this is the game. I, I assumed I wrote in my Monday column afterwards that you know Kansas is doing this and that, and that's why they're ranked for the first time since '09. I didn't even check. I just assumed they were ranked for the first time since 09 and somehow uh, they just missed out on the top 25. So this is a humongous game for them in that regard. They're going to lose in the future and, and kind of fall back down to earth. But if they can steal one more game in, in front of a great atmosphere uh, and everything else, this is, they'll be five sixths of the way towards a, a bowl and everything. And I'm picking Iowa state. Um, it'd be, it would be a lovely, it would be a lovely story and I, I I love everything about the Kansas offense, but at some point, a the Kansas defense is going to screw one up for them because it's still not that great. And B, I just think Iowa State's got a really good defense. It took a lot for for Baylor to score thirty one last week. They might, you know, Kansas will probably need to score at least that many. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that, and I'm gonna assume that uh, you know whatever accumulated wisdom the Cyclone program has gotten from playing in a bunch of big games, it, it'll carry them over the finish line. But it's it's amazing that we're talking about this, and it's amazing that I'm not confident in Iowa State uh, winning by like four points at Lawrence. You can't walk into Lawrence, Bill. You saw that cauldron last week. That right? dedicated, diehard football crazed town of Lawrence. 
you just can't roll in and uh, in, in win. I, I do think the biggest advantage for Iowa State and why I'm going to pick them is that at least now, like you, you have a little bit of a sense of Kansas's identity with Jalen Daniels. And now stopping him is another thing, but at least there is going to be enough film there to get a sense of what Kansas is trying to do and how they are doing it. So I, I have some faith in John Haycock to to formulate a better plan than most have had against Daniels this year. And, and I think Iowa State goes in. It, it will be work, workman-like, don't get me wrong, but I just I can't uh, – I can't guzzle from the glass slipper quite yet on uh, on, on on the Jayhawks still. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to join you on the on the Cyclones. Reese, disagree with us. Well, I was I was headed that way because I think there's institutional knowledge that leads you to go with the Cyclones. But I'm taking the home dog. You're right. right. This is going this is going to end for Kansas. Uh, way too many holes on defense, and and they will probably really get drilled by somebody. But I'm going to say the ride goes one more week. I'm getting some points at home. Might be the last chance for that uh, for a while, at least in a game like this. So I'll take the Jayhawks at home and Jalen Daniels. To, seeing the films, one thing, seeing him live and in person and yeah. getting him on the ground is a different deal entirely. Okay. And our last game is LSU, a nine-point favorite at Auburn. I'll start oh, no. this one. I'll start this one. LSU and Auburn, what a history of bizarre, <laughs> weird games. From the Tom Hodson to Eddie James uh, earthquake in Tiger Stadium game in 88. You had the interception game where Jamie Howard threw like six interceptions. I think three of them returned for touchdowns. You had the barn burner game. You had the cigar game where Tuberville brought uh, it actually hastened Jerry DiNardo's firing after Tuberville took Auburn down there and they blew him out, smoked cigars on their field. Uh, you had less losing track of the clock and winning. And then you had the loser leave town match um, when Les and Gus went head to head. LSU scores a touchdown late. Um, it was then overturned because time expired. And instead of Gus getting run out of town, it was Les that got run out of town. Could have a similar situation for poor old Brian Harson uh, this week with Auburn's quarterback troubles and LSU being uh, a little farther along than I expected. I look, man, I mean, <laughs> I know how, how tough it is to go into Jordan Hare and, and win, and things seem to go their way. They've got a good defense. I, I'm going to take LSU and lay the nine. Some injuries just to keep an eye on it, you know, for the investors here. Uh, Starting guard for LSU, Garrett Dellinger. I assume no relation to Ross because uh, they spell their names different. Is uh, is is unlikely to play. Uh, TJ Finley is day to day, so we might see Robbie Ashford again for uh, for Auburn at quarterback. And I would just keep an eye on a, on a, on a few of these, uh, you know, a few of those those developing situations before that. I uh, I just wonder after watching Auburn just sort of sleepwalk through the second half against Missouri last week, how much spirit they have right now and how much, how much they have. And if Jane Daniels is, is back healthy and rolling, I just have a hard time believing that LSU won't come in and, and have a declarative victory. So I am going to take, I'm going to take a dip of grass in my chin and take the Tigers. In. I, I'm sorry. I should, I should identify the LSU Tigers. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to pick Auburn because it makes no sense. That's pretty much um, from a number standpoint, I can kind of talk you into how LSU doesn't make a lot of big plays and Auburn still defends really well and, and, and all that. And that's fine. But really in the end, um, all my, my gut is pulling me towards that LSU line too. And it would make a lot of sense to do it. If nothing else to make sure that you, you guys don't gain a game on me here, but (laughs) It's. I'm just gonna pick Auburn because uh, it, it, that's the least sensible outcome in this crazy series, and therefore uh, Brian Harson will get to to keep his uh, his job for another week. I do. I, I do feel like you know Auburn at this point is like, can we play a road game? Do we have to play another game here? Can't we leave town for a little bit? Uh, and and that also doesn't say good things. But I'm picking Auburn anyway. All right, guys, let's do locks, and I'm going to go uh, against protocol just slightly. <laughs> Because the game will technically end on Saturday, East Coast time. Uh, Washington going to UCLA. I'm going to go with the Huskies as my lock uh, to win and beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl I, uh, by three. It would be. I was, you know, looking through my numbers here, and they actually, and, and it's trying to tell me to pick UCLA as the lock, and that would make for really good podcasting. Mm. But I don't think I believe that one enough. Uh, so I'm going to go instead. Uh, my numbers say East Carolina USF. Yeah. I know the line's changing because now it's a neutral site and that's going to be kind of a weird environment. But even before any of that, it was disagreeing with the line quite a bit. I think East Carolina wins this one pretty easily. Um, I, I, I got I talked myself out of making Louisville one of my best bets against USF last week because of USF Florida. I'm not going to do that again. I see East Carolina pounds them. Well, my locks have been dreadful um, so far this season, but my one lock that has, uh, has had a little bit of resonance was, uh, was Minnesota and they, uh, when they thumped Colorado by, by, by half a hundred. And so I, I have always tended to like ride locks a little bit. Um, and I don't really have a good reason why I've done that over the years, but just in, <laughs> in, in, in picking games. And so I liked Minnesota against Purdue, two very different style teams. Um, and wait, did we pick this game? No. No. Okay. We talked about it earlier yeah, today. We yeah. touched on it. So yes. this is good. This is yeah. good. Okay. You're picking it. So yeah. So when you uh when you look at this game, Minnesota has won four straight in this series. Now they only have one blowout in those uh four games, but they have one uh they have won four times in a row. The number is, I believe, 12 and a half right now. And uh I really feel like, especially again, mo- please monitor. Um the uh, the health of Aiden O'Connell, which is going to be key in this game, but I really just feel like Minnesota is coming in soaring. Purdue is reeling, and uh, yeah, the Gophers the Gophers style should travel in this game. So I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take uh, the Golden Gophers. I call them the Fighting Reese Davises because he's been so high on their bandwagon. Well, I, I have been I've abandoned the Fighting Reese Davises at Northwestern this year, and, and now. <laughs> Hopped aboard, hopped aboard the gopher train. <laughs> so, all right, let's hope the hot streak continues, gentlemen. Sarah, well done setting us up. And choose those games if you like to invest along with us at your own risk. That is the <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, thanks for being with us. We're with you every Friday to make Picks College Game Day podcast on three times a week. We encourage you and ask your favor in downloading this podcast wherever it is that you like to get podcasts. Enjoy your college football weekend.